Good morning, everybody. I'm John, uh, one of the pastors here. For those of you who have not uh, met me before, I'd love to meet you uh, afterwards. We um, discovered that it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to those of you, and particularly to the dads, if you're anything like me, when my kids were very, very small, if they made you some breakfast this morning, good luck with the recovery after that. Uh, I remember one breakfast particularly where I had no idea what I'd just eaten when it was all over, but we smiled and, and then we went to the bathroom after all that. But there we go. So happy Father's Day to those of you who are fathers. Now, it wouldn't be a Father's Day. Where's Ellen? Would not be a Father's Day without Alan telling us a, a dad joke. Come on, Al. <laughs> All right, well, this banana, right? And he, he's gone to the doctor, and the doctor said, what's wrong with you? And the banana said, I'm not peeling well. Please don't laugh at that. I remember one, was it Rob last year? A couple of years ago, we had some dad jokes. I remember Rob's was a, a guy who'd been trying to sell him coffins all week. Coffins, coffins. And Rob said, oh, that's the last thing I'm going to need, mate. So there you go. So. Now, oh, hang on, you want to sit there, because I'm going to, oh, here, this, hang on, where are we? oh, we've got five seats, okay. Yeah. I might sort of sit here. Uh, so, you know, uh, for some Father's Day, as we know, are you laughing at me? Oh, is it okay for Jesus to keep a mind of right, okay. Uh, for some of us today, uh, there's great joy in Father's Day. We wake up, uh, the kids are there, or in my case, the kids are over somewhere else with their kids, uh, but Father's Day can be a real joy. But we also know, uh, to many others, uh, Father's Day can be very, very difficult, even for some families today who may have lost uh, their father during uh, this particular year. Uh, or if there's a fractured relationship with a father uh, too, it's a very, very difficult day for some people who uh, really are into days and dates and things too, and it can be quite uh, difficult. So please be aware of any of those people today and to be even praying uh, for them. But I could also say before we get into this, uh, if you have a fractured relationship with your father and there seems no way out or no way to uh, solve that, why don't you pray about that and why don't you make an approach as difficult as that is? And some people even then went, you, but you don't know my situation. And I don't. I've got no idea what your situation is. All I know is that Jesus can reconcile things and what an incredible thing to be able to do even on a Father's Day. Maybe you're going to catch up with a father today uh, who you don't get on that well with. And today is a wonderful opportunity for that. The role of both men and fathers has changed, as we know, quite dramatically over the last few years. And uh, fathers and men, uh, you see them on ads, on movies, everything, they're the ones that are put down, uh, demeaned, so to speak, too. And so we thought today would be a great opportunity uh, to find some uh, perfect fathers uh, for you to be able to... Yeah, sarcasm, okay. Uh, But couldn't do that, so I just got these three bunch of sinners sitting beside me right here. And uh, for kids, I've got to tell you something. Kids, guess what? Your dad's not perfect. He's not. He's a great... I thought the kids weren't going to be here. <laughs> no, we left them in. We want to tell the truth to our children. <laughs> and we're not. Our fa- fathers and dads, um, we are not perfect. Uh, but I've asked these three guys. Uh, they're in different situations. Russ has got uh, two grown-up kids that are both married. Uh, Dean's got some teenage children. and Mark has got some younger ones too. So we're sort of covering all ages of the spectrum. Can you guys see back there? Do I need to move back just a fraction? Is that all right? There we go. Uh, so what I've done is we've, uh, I've given them a couple of questions to look at during the week, and we're going to go to them. But the first thing we want to do just in uh, 30 seconds or less is start over at Russell, and we're going to find out a little bit about who he is, family, wife, kids, all that sort of stuff, as a family. Tell us a little bit and one thing about yourself maybe too Russ go oh but yeah and you could have a microphone too if you'd like one <laughs> welcome to the John Ramsden show where nobody else gets to talk <laughs> yep there we go that's the one to, is that one fairly clear you can hear that okay 
Okay, that's great. So, Russ, go on. A quick snapshot. Uh, got a little bit of the lurgy, so stick with us. Um, uh, Russell Dixon, uh, married to Ivana, and I have two kids, Olivia, Kate, and Benjamin. Benjamin's over at Croydon Hills Baps, where he's a student pastor. Um, our story is we come to Canterbury Gardens about 12 years ago. Um, I've been a Christian for just coming up to 10 years. I was a caboose in the family, um, the last one to get on board, and um, uh, we live in Heathmont. Good stuff, mate. Do you know? Hi, I'm Dino. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm married with 17 children. No. Um, married to Lynette, and she's pleased she hasn't got 17 children. Um, Lynette, just stand so we can see who you are, please. Yeah. <laughs> please pray <laughs> for Lynette. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got two kids, uh, Ryan, who's um, 18, and Courtney, who's um, 16, going on 28. Yeah. And... Um, uh, in terms of a job, uh, I work in a business called Laminex. We make timber wood, uh, which is used in kitchens, and I'm uh, a national EHS manager, environment, health, and safety manager for Laminex. Great stuff. And Mark. Yeah, g'day. Uh, I've got three beautiful boys. Um, ten. Oh, yeah. They're, ten they're beautiful of boys. various ages. Oh, yeah. And. And a lovely wife, Zoe. Ah, uh, see, see, told your kids, I don't even know your it's age. A, it's in a constant state of flux. Uh, I've grown up, I've grown up uh, being taught to, to know God and follow him, so, but life's been a constant journey of developing that understanding more, um, times of questioning and um, times of drawing closer to God. So, Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. And what do you do for a job, Mark? Uh, police officer. I've been doing that for 10 years and... Um, that's great. It's good fun. It's good. I've been doing some counselling here. There's a few people you might want to speak to a little bit later. <laughs> hey, a couple of questions that we've got for the guys uh, today. Uh, they may not get to all of them. We'll see how we go. The first thing that we're talking about, what would you say to your younger self? If your younger self was standing right there, say about a 16-year-old, what might you say to that young man? Anybody? Well, my surname's young for a start-off, so that's helpful. <laughs> um, <coughs> I think the, the thing that I would say to my younger self is that God will show up and he does love you. Uh, I grew up in a family that uh, uh, were not believers and um, when I grew up, uh, when I was growing up, I was bullied as a kid. Uh, you know, I had big flappy ears, big feet. Um, you know, I just didn't look right. And some people say, well, it's changed. <laughs> but um, nasty people that you are, Christian. Yeah, but... Um, but uh, and uh, the other interesting thing to sort of add to that is I had learning difficulties, so I had, had to do remedial reading and, and so on. Um, so at a fairly early age, I didn't think there was a God um, because it was pretty hard and horrible being me. Um, and it was interesting because I went to university and I, I went to university away from home. And uh, these, the first bunch of people I met were Christians and they said, why don't you come to Christian fellowship? I said, you've got to be absolutely out of your mind because I you know, rejected God by that stage. But, of course, they prayed for me. That, um, and, um, and I turned up to Christian Fellowship and, uh, at, that, uh, at university, mm. and I gave my heart to the Lord, and I met the living God for the first time. Mm. And so, yeah, I think the thing that I would say to my younger self is that God will show up, yeah. and he does love you. Good stuff. And a lot of the time, the older ones who are the older selves are praying for those younger ones too, yeah. uh, which is often the reason why uh, God you know, shows up, because there's people praying for them. Great, Dean. Mm. Somebody else? Somebody else on that one? Yeah, Russo. A couple of quick things. Um, first one, if I was able to go back to my younger self, I'd 
sit down with my kids and absolutely reinforce into them to make sure that they check out their in-laws before they get married. <laughs> Man, that's me. <laughs> Just to make sure. It's true. And, it, and, and they listened, which was tremendous. Um, a couple of things I would tell my younger self is uh, my dad was a bit of a knockabout and he, he, he told me, um, and I've reinforced this back to myself, he said, uh, a happier garbo is a lot better person than an unhappy doctor. And um, he had a lot of, he was just, he was just, a, just a tradie, but he had some real pearls of wisdom for me. And um, another one that I'd uh, say, um, which is true, because it brings in, you can interpret this saying a, a few ways, but then you can bring a Christian perspective to it, that a monkey in a dinner suit is still a monkey. And it's actually very true when you apply it in the right circumstances, is that we're all equal in the eyes of God. Things can be dressed up that they're not as they are, and we are all broken. And we all, we all need to come to the Lord. And the thing that I have learned in the last 10 years, that I'd go back to my younger self and say, is that, yeah, shoot for your dreams. We all hear that. The world tells us that to shoot for your dreams. But the greatest thing that you can ever achieve is to understand grace and live by it. doesn't mean if you had a choice between, I've said it before, if you had a choice between curing cancer and, and understanding grace, it's not either or. It could be both. But if it's going to be one of them, it would be the latter one. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Mark? Younger self without a beard and moustache, go ahead. Uh, don't start drinking coffee. <laughs> Never start drinking coffee. Oh, I thought you were about to start AFL football. Uh, <laughs> no, look, I can't really add too much to that. It's, okay. a bit, it's a bit easier to say to your younger self, be more consistent, do a better job. But uh, really we have to come back to trusting God. He's got a plan for us and trusting in his grace. Cool. And, and from now... Keep improving. Yeah, that's the idea. We are broken. Yeah, we are broken. Hey, what about how, how does God's word or the gospel shape your life? As there's two possibilities: as a parent or as a husband. Or you can delve into either of those things. So, how does uh, the gospel or God's word shape your life as a parent or as a husband? Somebody want to start that one for us? Yeah, I've been uh, reflecting on it uh, in relation to being a parent. Um, I think we're going to look at Deuteronomy six a bit later today, and. The command to um, to be teaching your children, even all through the day, even as you sit and as you rise, as you walk down the road, and the the message I take from that is that the gospel is is meant to be impacting every aspect of the gospel is supposed to be impacting every aspect of my life. So then, thinking about that, how does the gospel and the word of God, even the series of Judges, how does that impact, or how does that inform me as a father? So to give you one example, the role of a father as, as the head, as a leader, what are the issues that I can face there? So I've been thinking about headship, authority. We did it a bit in Ephesians as well, but we did it in Judges. What is the problem with um, when Deborah comes along and says to Barak, I want you to lead, what does he say? Oh, I'm not not really the man for the job maybe if you come with me so what's his problem he's he's abdicating from his role in authority so i how does god's word affect my life i think about that and think is there ways as a father that i'm abdicating my role it's very easy to just sit back so to give you an example it's very easy for me to come home from work being tired and zoe's got everything in control it's not that she couldn't use a hand. The kids are tired. It's time to get them sort of for bed. What's my temptation? Find something else to do. Uh, that I could I could even use Bible time if I wanted to. Like if I'm really desperate, oh, I'm reading the Bible now. <laughs> but what am I doing? I'm abdicating. I'm stepping down. I'm not stepping up as a man into that. So that's just one example of how I use 
the Bible to, to try and speak to the, my everyday application. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Dinner? Yeah, I mean, uh, th- there's lots of scripture that come to mind when I think about this. Um, how's, how's God's word shaped my, my life as a parent and a husband? The one that stands out for me is in um, Matthew 6.38 where it says, and I've, I've been talking about this with my kids uh, just recently, where it says in Matthew 6.38, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Um, and it's not things, it's, it's, it's bigger picture than that. And um, the thought that came to me, and I've, I've been talking about this with, with, um, with Ryan and, and Courtney, um, because when they're teenagers and growing up, it's like, oh, it's me mates, uh, me mates, what my mates are doing, uh, thinking about what my friends are doing, the latest trends, you know, what can I do with my hair and eyeliner? That's not me, it's Courtney. And, um, and, and so on. And, and that becomes uh, all-consuming. And then to go back to the word of God and say, well, hang on, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's hard when you're, when you're a teenager. Um, and the other thing that stood out to me is that we often plan to get but not seek to find. We plan to get a good job. We plan to get a good salary. We plan to save for retirement or whatever. But we don't actually spend a lot of time seeking the Lord. And I've found personally in my life where you've stopped and thought about, well, am I seeking first the kingdom? And you go, well, no. Well, maybe you need to retrace your steps. And I've found that when that occurs, it's transformational. And it's an amazing promise in God's word that when you seek him first, he will bless you. And it's a wonderful promise. And I can say that to my kids. I can put my hand on my heart with a real passion and say, hey, guys, it is true. Amen. Cool. Thanks. Russ? Yeah, I'm on this question. I thought I'd pick out a topic that I thought has been practical for me as I walk in the Christian walk the last 10 years with the kids. And uh, it's still around the, the theme of worry and the lessons learned when you hear the Bible being taught about worry. It's not that we... As dads, don't worry. We certainly take it on board. Um, I've probably got a little personal blessed characteristic that I don't overstress externally. Um, doesn't mean I don't stress internally. But with my kids and, and worry, um, encouraging, encouraging them to not see it as worry because really a problem is not a problem until it is a problem. I think in this day and age we worry about things that are problems and to be honest, they're not a problem. A lot of things in our world aren't problematic in the world that we happen to live in. There's a lot of other problems that could fall on our plate that become a real problem. And just teaching our kids that being vulnerable is actually part about being the child of God that I believe in. That when you accept your vulnerability, no matter how capable you are, you then become dependent. And don't be shy of being vulnerable. Don't be shy of the circumstances that are confronting you, whether it be buying a house or do I get married or what job do I do or I've just lost my job or I've crashed my car or whatever it happens to be. We're in that circumstance and we're we're just called to accept it, embrace the vulnerability that you're in and look to God for the solution rather than try and fix it. And that's what I did for my first 45 years was trying to fix things. But I think that aspect about vulnerability is uh, important. and the theme about um, uh, the parable of the bird of the air, I love that. You know, God provides, but he also provides you with feet and wings and feathers and a beak, and you're a bird. So get out of bed. Go find the food. Feed your kids. 
Don't throw your kids out of the nest when they shouldn't and throw them out of the nest when they should. There's multiple <laughs> lessons in that parable that I think it can be built upon. God will provide, but live. Live life and let them go and let them out and let them be vulnerable. I think it's a, a good lesson. Good on you, mate. Maybe just uh, one or two of you just to finish off in regards to what does it mean to be a humble leader? And it could be uh, looking at home or looking at work too. To be a humble leader, what does it actually mean? Well, I'll just throw it back. Um, By others being mentored over the years, I I learned, and I've had a couple of jobs in, in, I've been responsible for other people in humble leadership. It's actually, it is serving, but um, in in being in a leader's role, if that's where you are, or being part of a household, um, I believe that the use of that power is important, but the use of that power is for the benefit of others and not for yourself. And if you take that in and putting yourself number two or number three, then that is real humility in, in servitude. Uh, one of the most powerful scriptures, and I read it again um, over this week, and I meditated, was in Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about this, and this is the, the kicker in the words. Um, the Apostle Paul starts off by saying, have this attitude in yourselves, mm. um, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Um, when you think about humility uh, as a father, that's, that's, that's the big one. And, and I think for me, listening and learning to say we're sorry is uh, a big one. Um, seeing your role as dad is serving your wife and your kids. You know, the dads do chores too. The dads do serve their mums. That when dads get angry with their kids, they do say sorry. That's a tough one. Um, and that your kids and also your beloved wife see your relationship with the Lord and, and humbling yourself before the mighty hand of God. Cool. Mark, anything just to finish? Oh, that's a good answer. Do you want me to say something? No, if you want to. Well, look, I've been reflecting on that, reflecting on Philippians 2 as well and trying to hold together that aspect of humble servant leadership that everything our power should be used for the good of the family and also that awkward position of uh, there are times when the leader needs to exercise his authority so the awkward example um, of Paul I was reading in 1 Corinthians 2 is that though he wants to be gentle with him he says the word of God doesn't it's not just talk but it's with power and when I come to you and he's speaking of the immoral brother among them there will be action and there will be discipline and, and this man will be kicked out. And he says, in fact, even before I come, now you've heard my view on it, kick him out. So there's that awkward role of leadership where sometimes we do have to step up and like I was saying before, not abdicate. I have to step up, I have to take authority, but let it be in a humble way. And we see a little bit of that when we looked at the letter to the Ephesians. And Jesus, the one who did give everything up to service and to rescue us, to give us grace, is also the one who walks among the lampstands saying, if you don't repent, I will tear up your lampstand. I will remove it from you. So there's, I guess as fathers, we can't abdicate from being the leader and being the judge at times, but thinking of how to do that in a, in a humble way, mm. it, it can be almost reluctant, but it has to be done. Yeah. Mm. Thanks. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, fathers, uh, men even, there's no guilt. So, some of the things you might have heard, you're saying, I'm not doing those things, I'm not doing those things. Let me assure you, we're not doing those things. Yeah. We do sometimes, we fall down, all of sin fallen short of the glory of God. But the reality is just as a reminder to fathers today. Fathers, if you want to chat, 
to some of these guys, to me, to Shabu, uh, to others too. If there's some things that you think as a father, maybe you're not quite getting right, come and talk to some other people who are not getting things quite right. But let's point each other to Jesus as we do that. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the great Father, the Father who's perfect, Lord God, and we are certainly not perfect. Forgive us, Lord God, for the times when we have not um, served our family well, served you well. But Father, we thank you uh, that you are a forgiving Father, that you pick us up, you dust us off, you send us on our way, Lord God, and that we are there to serve and follow you. Lord God, on this day, we would ask a blessing on fathers, or fathers-to-be even, Lord God, on our young men here too, Lord God, that they might grow up in your ways, that they too might become uh, husbands and fathers who will serve you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And just, Lord God, as we uh, send our children off now too, we thank you for these precious little ones, uh, Father. We just pray that you would be them now as they uh, spend some time learning more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple of minutes break, phone to speak, because we're opening up his word. Let's, let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for what we've heard today, for the things we've sung, uh, for (coughs) the men who have come to speak of their weaknesses, and yet to encourage us also about what it is to be a father and a man too, Lord God. And I pray for my brother, uh, Shabu, and also for Nathan as he preaches over at uh, Montmorency today too, Lord God, that you would be blessing uh, him and the people that are hearing his word. And Father, we just uh, pray now that you would open Shabu's mouth. We thank you for the things you've been teaching him, Lord God, that it might be clear, that we might learn and learn to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, mate.